In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we face really a stark reality. The world influencers we all follow and revere speak so staunchly to the power in their lives derived from people who have personally inspired them. In this show, we hear a two-minute clip from Zig Ziglar and a story of someone who changed the trajectory of their life by changing who they associated with. However, I did a survey, and from it, what we discern is most of us aren't associating with anyone personally. Most have nobody in their lives who is inspiring them. I'm not talking about a mentor or some personal yoga even, just anyone that, that they're around who at all raises the bar and gives them inspiration. So you're going to hear me lay this on Tom and render him nearly speechless. And what you may find is some compassion for yourself. For one, if you don't have someone, which compassion is good to know that you're not alone in this, but then we try to do justice to ideas for finding a way to have some people in your life consistently who are calling you up, raising the bar, and inspiring you to see more than you can from just between your own two ears. So we're going to start with a two-minute story from Zig Ziglar. Then Tom and I are going to talk through this issue with the goal of giving you some hope and equipping you for this necessary ingredient in your life. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is The Ziggler Show. It's a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts, and our focus here is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My Motive podcast is devoted to clarifying the reasons that drive you. My True Life podcast is aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. This past week, uh, there was a beautiful article on May 23rd in the uh, Dallas Morning News. Some of you undoubtedly saw it. Steve Blow is the columnist who was writing, and he's talking about Tony Casillas, you know, the big tackle for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. He'd been over to Dallas Sunset High School earlier, and he had told the kids, the eight of you who has the most improvement in attendance and the most improvement in your grades, I'm going to take you out to dinner. Well, the competition was really tough. Uh, one of the uh, winners was Israel Ramirez. Now, Israel uh, was an interesting uh, young man. Uh, he was making D's, E's, and F's on his grade. He got involved in this competition. He ended up on the honor roll. And as he put it, one of the things that happened along the way, he changed his friends. The friends he had been running with, you know, were D's and F's and dropouts and this kind of kid, and he changed his uh, friends. The L.A. Times did an extensive article and said uh, that people who go to the top invariably at one time in their life make a conscious decision to associate with winners instead of losers. And you know, the Bible says, be not deceived, evil companions corrupt good morals. I can tell you, I haven't worked in the drug war an awful long time, that if a youngster is running with kids who are doing drugs, the odds are eight times as great that he also or she also is going to get involved in drugs. That's where peer pressure comes 
comes about. You get in that kind of a situation. In the book of Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter, the 8th verse, uh, God says, if some of these guys don't want to fight, if they have a spirit of fear, send them home because they will pollute and influence the others. That'll make them scared. And then we end up losing the battle. Associate with the right people is the message. Well, Tom, I've caught you at a hotel off uh, speaking at a rare speaking engagement following COVID releasing, I guess. So uh, that's awesome. And I'm going to surprise you here. So what I did is I played a clip. Everybody's just heard it from your dear father. And it was about kind of a story about a guy making lower grades, kid in school, football player comes and says, hey, for everybody who increases and does really great, I'll take him out to dinner. That gives the guy the motive. And he changes his life, changes his grades, his performance, changes everything. But then the message that your dad gave is he changed who he was hanging out with. So we've all heard that story and that's what our focus is going to be. That's what I want you guys, you and I to dig into, but I want us to really dig into it because we've all heard it, Tom. I mean, you and I talk about it. We've heard it, but what you're about to hear is pretty pretty darn stark. So as much as we all hear, hey, Jim Rohn says that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And we all talk about that. Here's what's stark. So about two hours ago, I posted a question for a show, for another show, uh, another podcast. I posted a question as of right now, two hours ago, I have 84 responses. Okay. That's pretty good. You know, a lot of times it'll be 20, 50, 80, maybe sometimes more. So that's, it was good. So Here's a question I posted yesterday about 26 hours ago, coming from this message your dad just gave. How many people in your daily life inspire you to better yourself in any way? And I also said, feel free to tag and thank them. Uh, I really expected that everybody would jump forward and go, oh my gosh, I want to tell everybody who inspires me in my actual daily life and tag them. I thought it'd be a really kind of a cool thing and, you know, get us some PR and everything. Tom, it's been 26 hours. I got one response, one response. And it was actually from a guy who knows me. And he just said it was me that inspires him. So I'm used to posting questions. People are used to me posting questions. I'm used to getting 10, 20, 30 in the first hour. This one I just did, I got, I got 40 in the first hour and now it's already gotten past 80 in two hours. How many people in your daily life inspire you to better yourself in any way? Basically got zero. And that's scary to me because people respond to what they want to respond to on Facebook, what, what, what they've got something to do. Everybody wants to not, not brag, but they want to, you know, they want to talk about encouragement. They talk, want to talk about exciting things in their lives and for nobody to put it there. It belies what I, what we know is happening out there, but it's pretty stark to see that nobody came forth. And I'm afraid it's because now, and, and I guess we have to give a little bit of, I don't know if we should give credit to COVID. I mean, I know that's isolated people, but I mean, I, somebody on my list is you at least once a week, you and I do this and we haven't seen each other in person in I don't know, two years. Yeah. I'm going to lay that on you right there. Give me your thoughts as I surprise you with that. Well, my first thought is, man, what did you do to make Facebook mad to where they're burying your post? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other post that I posted, somebody said, oh, Facebook police tagged you on because I mentioned something about COVID. 
no tags on here that I know of. It's just uh, crickets, just crickets. Yeah. So that's hard for me to understand. Um, you know, gosh. Uh, I'm afraid we're isolated. I know. Isolated and um, not having those people. And, and that's why I wanted to bring the gravity of it forward. Tom, come on. We, we live in this personal development, self-help. We know that everybody knows that Jim Rohn quote. Hardly anybody hearing this show has not heard it somewhere else or on this show. You show you're the average of the five people you hang around most. We talk about blue zones. Randy and I do in the true life show so often the power of blue zones. That's Dan Butner's book. And he talked about the power of uh, the healthiest communities are communities where health is just their lifestyle. They don't have to try. They don't have to exercise or diet or try to find natural food. It is their life. And we know that that is the most powerful thing. I'm reading a book right now talking about that. Uh, it's actually got a lot of Napoleon Hill in it. And it's talking about that and talking about the power of having people to collaborate with in our progress. And for this to showcase the reality that this is something that we know, but we don't have. And I, I really want to look and just maybe realize how difficult it is in today's culture to really have intimate friendships, alliances, associates, whatever, who can come around and not only just encourage us, because I really had in mind, Tom, not just that. Okay. I know you, you encourage me, but let's say that you and I were in a business group or something together and I didn't know you and I would just hear and audit you. You would inspire me by things you say. I mean, I've been to Ziegler events and I didn't know specifically everybody and, and the people, the proximity and hearing what people are doing inspires me, convicts me to, I want to be a better person. And so even to be amongst that, even if you're not bosom buddies with somebody to not, that means people aren't being part of groups online or offline where they're going and they're getting to hang around people who are, I was about to say better than they are. I don't want to say that as an athlete. That's what I wanted as an athlete. I don't want to go out and train with all the guys I'm, I'm better than I want to go out and get my butt kicked. That's what raises my game. We know that with athletics. So, so let's not say better than, but in, in our, in our world as a parent, I want to hang out with a parent who has done more, has older kids, has experienced things. I haven't as a spouse. I want somebody who's married, you know, longer, maybe that's not necessarily obviously equates to a, you know, health necessarily, but you know, has experienced more or showing better fruit in their marriage in business. I want somebody who's done more in finances. I want somebody who's accumulated more or is doing more with their money. I want people who have gone, I want Yodas and senseis and whatnot. And I think what we're hearing is people don't have that. And I don't have a ton, Tom. I don't have a ton. I don't have a Ziggler wall of fame, a Zig Ziggler wall of fame with how many, do you, how many do you have on there? 26 or 28, something like that. I can count them when I get to the office. I mean, those are people he was pretty intimately involved with at, uh, at least for a period of time, right? Yeah. Most of them, um, well, you know, he had family members and lifetime friends, but a bunch of, of them were seasonal. You know, they were in his life for a season, mm -hmm. really inspiring and encouraging him or, or uh, you know, some of them even challenged him. Uh, mm -hmm. But the, his wall of gratitude was these are the people that he was grateful for, for making a difference in his life. 
you know, some were mentors, some were friends, uh, some were family, but they all stepped in. Some of them, not really even friends, just uh, a couple of employers who, you know, you know, just took an interest in his success. And, and, but I think maybe the common thing here is accountability. They were, they all held him accountable to, Hey, you can do better. Hmm. Right. Or you were made for more. So inspiring and accountable. Uh, I'm still kind of reeling on the, on the Facebook thing mm-hmm. because I know the traction that your questions get. Um, it, it, it is befuddling. It's astounding. So, Tom, I looked up. I actually searched around on that quote from Jim Rohn. Again, which you you know. I mean, I assume that Zig probably shared the stage with Jim at certain points in time. And okay. And there was a and there's, a, there's an article. It's from 2018 that a guy did and did a study, did a further study on that aspect of the average of the five people you surround. And in some of the studies they did, they found that. He, to some degree, even more acutely, you can, you're more impacted by the sum of the one person you hang around most. If you hang around somebody who does marathons and I'm making this up a little bit, or I'm paraphrasing the details, but if you run somebody around with somebody who who does marathons, you're probably 50% more likely to end up doing a marathon. If you, now what it, it cited negatives and it said specifically on the aspect of weight, if you person you hang around most is overweight, you are, and it was something like 50%, 56% higher chance of becoming overweight that we become. And we want to think that people become who we are. And it's probably somewhat of an equal morph, but you know that with personality styles, you often have somebody who's a little more of a leader influencer, and that tends to kind of spearhead the relationship, but you know, that's focused again on the power of who we are around. But I'm wondering if what this is showing us is that so many of us, there's nobody else there. Even, you know, maybe a spouse, which that, you know, we can get into that, that can be in or not be influential. Sometimes people are able to separate themselves a little bit from that to some degree, or even a lot bit, unfortunately, but to realize that the majority of people are going out into the workplace and they're around some people, but they're not around any one specific person, which shows you why they're coming, I guess, you know, to podcasts and books. And I want to talk about that. But as you know, man, there's, that is different than Tom Ziegler being face to face with Bob Bodine and talking about realities of life, parenting, being a spouse, finances, being a businessman, being a, uh, a spiritual leader. I mean, he's, he's one of your, he's one of, or, or your main guy, isn't he? Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite quotes of his is this, is that a true friend knows the words to the song of your heart and can repeat them back to you when you've forgotten them. Mm. And to me, that's just, that's just a powerful, powerful quote. And so when I look at the way you pose that question, you know, there's really kind of two categories of people. Uh, One is that true friend category, and this is rare. And all the statistics echo exactly what we're talking about right now. Uh, By the time a man, I think, is in his 60s, no no friends, right? It's isolation. It's family. It's the routine. It's. And I'm different, not that you can't have friends in your family, but you're just not making time for that. And so there's that kind of relationship. 
Um, and Bob talks about 12, uh, 12 friends, three best, uh, one closest, right? So you have a, a closest friend. And of course, that's modeled off of a little bit what Jesus did, right? Mm-hmm. He changed the world with 12, and one of them wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's right. True. And But you've got to be intentional and declare your friendship and go out and seek them. And then there's the other uh, thing that I think it's it's not the friendship, it's the uh, maybe it's the next circle, right? It's the it's the next circle of people who you want to be around them for for intentional so, certain attributes that they have, successes that they have, because you you want a little bit of what they have. You want to learn from them. You want to grow. It's not that you become you know they become one of your twelve best friends, but you know, they're there to help you grow. Um, and, you know, people in our community at Ziegler, our coaches are in the inner circle with Howard Partridge. Uh, we get to know each other. And, you know, as much as people come for for what we provide from Ziegler, uh, the reason I think they stay is they develop these friendships with other people on the journey of life with them. And there's that kind of mutual respect and admiration for each other. They hold each other accountable. Uh, they call each other up when when big events happen or when they're down. And so that's interesting. Uh, I hope it's a, I hope it's a Facebook anomaly and it just got skipped through the I, the algorithms. I do too, Tom, but I'm afraid it's not. And I and I am not. I'm not dissing it or talking down to it. Again, I feel like it really speaks to the gravity of this issue. When we have the people that we revere and respect and we're listening to and we're following and they like Jim Rohn, like Zig Ziglar, like you talk about the power of having these people in our lives. And then we realize when we look at our own lives that we don't have those people by far and large, what a significant gap. So what can you do about it? So you talked about, let's call it level one is that literal person in your life for you, you know, Bob Bodine. Um, you know, for me, I've got you, I've got my closest one, of course, is Randy, uh, James, Dr. Randy James. And he and I generally four or five days a week, we spend time together talking about life, literally on the back deck over lunch, talking about, it's been one of the biggest gifts to, to my life, um, for years. Well, gosh, for as long as I can remember, actually 15, 20 years now, every week I get together with, uh, someone or someone's generally it's been an average of three different guys and we get together and just talk about like what's happening, what's happened in our marriage as a parent, kind of what's, what's the predominant, what we generally look at is what's the main thing on your mind right now. And it may be a work thing, maybe a spouse thing, maybe a parent thing. It's usually those. Um, so the personal friend thing, level one, net level two, I'm going to paraphrase what you said is kind of the associates, people you may associate with, you get to rub shoulders with may not be a super, intimate friendship, but that's still a personal friendship. Then the third one is probably the place. And this is what I assume cut everybody off. Cause I said, how many people in your daily life inspire you to better yourself in any way? And I phrased it in a way that made it feel like I think face to face one-on-one and, and people did not showcase that what people tend to have is that voice out there, the podcast they listen to the book they list, they, they read the blog, they read the, whatever they tune in YouTube that they turn into which I don't want to downplay that either, but I still wonder if we're missing the opportunity or the depth of that 
by the fact that we take in so much new information constantly and we don't stick on the same thing. Because if we go back to the Dan Miller, my dad, or as you and I talked to him a couple of years ago or interviewed him on this show, Seth Godin, think about him back in 19, whatever it was, 1980. And both those guys cited times when they were down down in their luck, in essence. And what did they listen to? Zig Ziglar. But think about it. They had a radio station with a couple dials on it to listen to, so not much there. And they had a cassette tape player for my dad. I think Z- I think uh, Seth said this too. It was a. It wasn't even in, it wasn't even a car cassette player or eight track. It was a on the seat next to him. And as they were going about trying to do their work, they were pumping this information in. It was one person, Zig Ziglar. You know, I mean, maybe they had some other tapes too, a Brian Tracy or something like that, Dale Carnegie. But they were listening to these things and they're listening to them over and over and over. So imagine the programming that are getting in a car and for an hour a day, two hours a day, three hours a day, listening to the same message by the same guys over and over and over, like Seth Godin did 80 times over, 70 times over, whatever, until the tapes ran out and he had to buy another $200 set of tapes. Um, that's different than what we do today where we just have this barrage and we listen to a little bit on politics and we listen to a little bit on health and wellness. We listen to a little bit on personal development and that's not the same programming. That's knowledge. It's good, but it's not the same as an intentional programming. That's what we're talking about here is people outside of our own heads programming us day in and day out. And how can we get that? Uh, I really want to talk on that a little bit, Tom, because I looked at, you know, there is personal, there's podcasts, there's books, there's online groups, there's masterminds, there's coaches, consultants, and counselors. And I'm, and I'm going to hold it up. I know you and I have done that again, and I, I want people to hear this is not a bias. Yes, you can go to Ziggler and get coaching and consulting. Uh, they don't, they're not a counseling center, so they're not that. But there's a lot of places you can go get that. If you cannot find anyone to pull into your life to have uh, as a guide, a counselor, a mentor, I'm going to say, go pay for one, go find somebody, go find a business coach that has gone before you and done more that can lead you and showcase something. Chances are, if they've had success, find one that's also having success in their marriage. And as a parent who goes deeper than just, you know, business coaching, which again, Ziggler does, but wherever you're going to get it, find somebody and pay for them if you need to. Because I'm saying right now, man, if you do not have that and you're there, just you in your own head, and even you with the information that you're gleaning out here, but it's just you bringing it in and dealing with your own head, you're, you're, you're just at a deficit. Doesn't mean you can't be successful, right, Tom? You are listening to The Ziggler Show in this episode on having people in our personal lives who truly inspire us. Next, Tom talks about the power in our lives from the people we work with and ideas on how to get more from those relationships. But the stats are the stats. Yeah. So I'm going to put something out there. And and so in the new book that I'm working on that's going to be coming out at the end of the year, uh, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times, I have in that book a coaching model, which is a coach leadership concept where a leader needs to be a coach leader. And so here's the question. Who do we spend the most time with day in and day out? It's the people we work with. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just the fact of the reality. Uh, if you work in an office, you're spending more time in conversation and in relationship with those at the office than you are uh, at home. The remote situation over the last year has changed a lot of that. So here's the question. If your leader, if, if your boss, if your manager, if the person you report to, uh, if they 
communicated to you daily, hey, I want the best for you. I want you to grow. And I want you to do well, not just in your career, but in your life, because I know that if you're doing, if your quality of life is good, your quality of work is going to be good, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of like, a fact. We know that now that the better somebody's quality of life is, the better their relationships are, the better things are at home, the better their health is. All of those things produce a higher quality of work. Because if those things are good, we're not stressed, worried, depressed, anxious. We're not distracted. We're not concerned (coughs) about the things that are uh, going on at home and allows us to focus to produce our best work. So, So I guess here's the challenge. Or the question, if, if, if your boss or who you work for, um, if every day it was a check-in call and you had co-created a plan with them on how you could improve in some area of your life or your career, and you agreed on it with your boss, and they checked in every day and said, how's it going? I want the best for you. How can I help? How would that change your your relationship with where you work. I'm just curious, would that, would that revolutionize work if the person you spent the most time with at work could be your boss, sat down with you once a week, once every two weeks, how's it going? And then on a daily basis, hey, I know you're working on this, fill me in. I know you talked to that client, fill me in. I know you had that conversation with the, the leader in the other department and we talked about how you could communicate better, how to go. Would that would that revolutionize work? Yeah. You think? Yep. I do. You know, it got me thinking about I haven't talked about this in a long time, and I, I'll admit I have not been involved personally, but if you go to score, have you ever been involved with score, Tom? Score uh, you know, the organization. I don't um, think so. If you go to score.org score, it's a gosh, what does it stand for? But it's, it's all overall. It's, it's generally an older demographic of people who have done business well, and they are there to provide, I think, uh, free mentorship and free guidance. So if you go to score.org, you can find a mentor. I'm on the website right here. I don't know that it is a cost. It is, I think a volunteer, uh, thing where you can find people, you can search for people who've done certain things. And I do know from some testimony that people who have done it have also gotten just great counsel from a personal nature. If you got somebody who's succeeding in business, chances are they have some success in some other areas of life uh, as well. But that's a place uh, to go if you can't find it. Like, you, you know, you talked about Tom, find it, you know, at at work, you know, this is show eight ninety, and uh, Tom, I did confirm a having Mark Victor Hansen on the show. It'll be show eight ninety five, I believe, and his book. He and his wife Crystal, the book is Ask, and it's all about ask. So you guys can look forward to that in episode eight eight ninety five coming up, and it's ask, and it's really them just on a uh, on a gracious soapbox of saying folks, we have got to ask, step up and ask, find somebody in your church, in your local business community, uh, go around and, and audit people and then ask 
for help, ask for counsel, ask for guidance. People aren't asking anymore either. So when you see that person out there and think, oh, I'm sure everybody wants their attention. Um, everybody in their business does, but there's not enough. There's not many people, maybe none asking them, Hey, will you just give me some guidance, some counsel? Tell me how you did what you did. And it's about asking, ask for their opinion. Tom, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I get stuff online, but I don't have a whole lot of people in my personal life say, Hey, can I just, can I just pick your brain? Can I ask? I think most people think, Oh, everybody asks. And so a lot of people then don't, but to, you know, to join groups out there, join a chamber group or a gosh, Tom in Dallas, Texas at Ziegler headquarters every Monday, you have a, isn't that just an open devotion? Open devotion. It's on uh, Zoom right now, but we're probably going to be starting back up in July. But yeah, people come. People have been coming for years. Uh, every Monday morning at seven thirty a.m. What an incredible chance to sit down, listen to people, go up, shake somebody's hand, and say, "Yeah, I heard that you did X, Y, Z. Can I buy you a coffee? Can I get twenty minutes and just ask you how you did that, and hear some of their story?" Um, but we'll be hearing more and more about about asking, but getting a part of groups and just offering anything you can, not your advice. Like you've got it all figured out, go in there. But if you got, if you know tech stuff, you know, listen to the questions and the needs out there. I'm a part of different groups. And a lot of times I come in and I'm a part of them just to ask questions like on podcasting. Hey, you know, folks, I'm gosh, I keep getting stuck outside of my, uh, my uh, studio. What's, you know, what do you recommend for a a to go uh, uh, opportunity? And what a great chance for somebody to give me great counsel and then also to ask my advice or to offer me something either way. It's amazing how little it doesn't happen. You know, Tom, I do want to say something on the third, I don't know, what, what do you call it? Not third party, but the non-personal information. If we're listening to podcasts and books and things like that, of course, we have so many people who cite, you know, see you at the top, change their life. They never met Zig. He didn't know him personally and it changed their life. But to think about that again, that it was probably a repetitious, well, isn't there a number you guys play with of how many times, like 16 times or something? 16 or 17 times. The 17th time is when it really, really sinks in when you know it and you know, you know it where you can repeat, you can repeat it. You can complete the sentence. It's sunk in uh, the essence of it. And I know people who, will listen to certain audio recordings every month. Yeah. Uh, I just, I talked to somebody and they listen for one month. They listen to it every day. It's like a 45 minute presentation, like 30 times in a row. And then they do it once a month, the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, that is cementing something in that I think, yeah, programming that is hardwiring something. in. so to think again about the stuff that we listen to, are we just listening to the next new best thing? One, you know, two, is it really teaching us or is it, you know, it's informing us, entertaining us. It's interesting. It's knowledge, but, but is it really teaching us? Are we really learning a different paradigm shift there? And are we listening to people who's, habits, characteristics, character achievements, we really want to emulate because there are some people out there I know who are knocking out of the park that have good business acumen. They've got good motivation, but they're not people of high character and moral quality. And it's entertaining. They're entertaining. And I see that some, I've got some big numbers there and I'm not downplaying them. I wish I had their numbers. I wish I was as entertaining as they are. 
Um, but I don't see that people trust them necessarily. And it's not somebody whose habits and lifestyle they want to emulate. So again, who are you out there listening to that you really want to try to live up to some of their standards? Do they convict you? Do they make you uncomfortable? That'd be one. Do you listen to anybody who, 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 who uh, stretches your envelope a little bit? Or are you just listening to people with confirmation bias that are just saying the things you already believe in? Let them step on your toes. And are you listening to some, some, some humble people too? And are you being humble? Going back to ask. I saw that quote again recently, Tom, that, that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I mean, man, my ego wants it, Tom. I can't say I don't like it. It feeds, I get that dopamine hit. Just like I was interviewed the other day. I mean, being interviewed, I mean, you're being asked to talk about yourself. It's like being paid to eat M&Ms. It's awesome. (laughs) I didn't learn anything. I'm not learning a darn thing. I'm talking about myself. And when am I in a room where I am not the smartest person? I need to be in those rooms. It reminded me a few years ago, I went to an event and it was like a $300, $500 highbrow event that a financial management firm put on for their clientele, which I was not. I don't remember why I got invited or, or there was an open spot, but I paid to go. And I paid it at the time and I didn't really feel like I had the money to do that, but I did because I thought I just want to go hang out with the type of person that comes and just plops 300, 500 bucks down to smooth around with like-minded people. And I did. And I'm not going to say it was a wowsome thing, but it was a different level. It was a different playing field. And it made the idea of making more income, having more income, managing it well, it just made it more feasible. Like, yeah, I can, I can do that as opposed to staying even with your good friends, God love them. But if they're all in the same socioeconomic, you know, level, all live in the same type of neighborhood, uh, it doesn't raise your level of belief and perspective. And again, Tom, I'm just seeing that I feel like this is something that we used to do as we were more social. And now that we are less and less, uh, how do, how do, what do we, how do we define it, Tom? Cause everybody thinks they're, they're more social than ever, not social, not remote social, but in your face, in your lives, social. Yeah. Relationship oriented, conversational oriented, mm-hmm. uh, curious and inquisitive, um, stretching our boundaries, mm-hmm. just getting out there. It's, um, uh, and what's interesting to me is that as I look at the disruption that's coming and the way the world's changing, you know, we look at AI and, and all the things that are happening that are going to make the way we do business a little bit different. The interesting thing is, is the things that, that AI might not ever be able to do relationally and building trust and, and you know, that, that kind of collaboration and creation and innovation, the things that, that we as humans have kind of put us uh, in the, you know, (laughs) in the lead. Um, Those are the skills that are going to be more and more necessary. And it behooves us to, to put ourselves environment in environments to go and create that. Yeah. Right. Um, Because at the end of the day, well, we were talking about it at dinner at this conference. It's who you know, right? It's it's uh, one of the young ladies there just graduated from college, hundreds of resumes. And the only callback she's getting are, 
in organizations where she knows somebody who already works there and she calls them and says, hey, I put my resume in and they're like, great, can you send it to me as well? And I will take it over to HR. Because other than that, it's just a number. Yeah. Right. And so how many relationships are we building? How are we how are we fostering those who relationships? And and we've got to it's a two way street. Uh who is important in our lives or who do we know that we could pour into every day? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's flow. It's the, it's the, we've got to be it for someone. And then it makes it easier to ask someone else. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I was just, you know, the, the whole idea of the dead sea is the river flows in, but it doesn't flow out. It gets toxic. Yeah. Right. And so if people pour into us, and we got to pour into other people. And I think sometimes the ability for us to receive is we got to get, we're, we're full, right? So it's hard for us to, to receive more until we go give some. So we got some space, right? We've got some capacity. I, I, I talked about getting together every week with some guys. And I remember at a time when I believed, actually I was, I, I learned it from a friend of mine who back in Tennessee used to show up on my porch with a cup of coffee. He said, if I don't show up, you'll never, you'll never pursue me. So I'm just going to show up and we're going to do, we're going to do life. God bless him for that. He taught me that because I'm the introvert. I generally am looking for a reason not to get together with people, but I learned the value. So I remember being here in Colorado and at one point having a group of guys, three different guys and realizing that I was the one instigating it. And I started to get irritated about that. Why am I the one? I don't even want to do this. You know, why am I doing it? I know I should. I'm instigating it. And I finally, uh, something, something changed my paradigm. And I just, I just decided to have faith that that's what I was supposed to do. And I played games with it. And I don't know what it is. I thought maybe it's because I'm the one who's most likely to say no. And so God's going to just let, let that happen that I have to be the one to instigate it because I need it for me. I don't know either way though. I just said, whatever I will. And uh, that didn't last forever. Then it, you know, tables turned later, but for a while I felt like, okay, so I'm the instigator. So what? So what if you have to be the instigator? What if you feel like you're pulling teeth with people? Maybe that's what your role is supposed to be. So what? Do it, ask and pull teeth and get people together because you know the value and, uh, and, 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 you know, maybe you do it with a handful of people, guys, gals, whatever. And you realize one's not a good fit or all three aren't a good fit. It's okay. You're just trying to make, you know, that effort. We talk a lot. There's a lot of online groups out here, but for this thing, Tom, I feel more led to look at more intimate groups because you can go be a part of a group and that's great. Uh, you know, but you know, the group may have a hundred people, a thousand people, whatnot, whatever paid affinity group in essence that there are more and more masterminds, I think, especially since COVID out there that you need to vet a lot of them. I, you know, I've seen them for 50 bucks. I've seen them for $50,000. I mean, you find them all across the board, but you know, there's some that you should be able to vet. You should be able to find some people that you know, that know of some that you can go look at some reviews and whatnot. But again, it's, it's paid. That's great. Find one that fits you and, and try it, try it for 90 days, try it for six months. But people who are really invested, I hear more and more testimony from people and paid groups like that, who are coming together with like-minded people and the value that they get. And they just say the biggest value is just walking 
week by week with the same people and hearing their stories, hearing what's happening. Uh, it's not some, it's not because of some leader. Some of the best ones I heard try not to have a leader. They may have a facilitator, but they try to all be peers. That's part of the deal there uh, where everybody has something to offer and you know something to get and something to give. Uh, but that's another one to look at that if you're out there and again, if, especially if you're alone and let it feels overwhelming and where am I going to find that person? You can go, search for it online and pay for it. And it can be people across the globe, but people who have, who are kindred spirits. And you may have to, what if you try five? Again, we're looking at the end of a year. What if you found one? What if at the end of this year, you could respond to my Facebook thing and say, yeah, I've got two people, two people who I have learned so much from, who inspire me to want to be a better person, who have shown me, who've invested in me, and I've gotten to invest in them. I mean, what would it be worth? I'd say it'd be worth as much money as you can afford, as much time as you can afford, as much hassle as you can afford. So go into it expecting to be frustrated and disappointed, okay? Just expect that's going to be part of the deal. You have to get to that person a year from now to have somebody and then maybe to have that person for a year or two years or the rest of your life. I mean, who knows? I mean, Tom, I'm sure that there's people that you have paid for coaching or consulting or who have paid you who have become a part of your, well, like what you and Howard talk about your inner circle, a, a literal a ongoing friendships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it started from a paid thing. So I, you know, I think overall, Tom, the thing that I wanted to come back to on this is I definitely come back with some resources and some directions that people can go that they can reach out to for one, but maybe also just to have compassion on this is hard. We may be in the hardest time ever in this day and age when we are the most pseudo connected, but the least intimate, we know the stats on it with depression and despair and diseases, uh, diseases of despair. We know the stats are happening out there, but to realize that man, people are connected, they've got a golden Rolodex of social media, people they're, you know, f- quote friends with, but how many people can they, like my dad would say, how many people can you call up at 10 o'clock at night and say, man, I'm in trouble emotionally, physically, financially, whatever that you can call and say, just, if nothing else, can I just get a hand? Now my dad goes further and says, who do you have on there that you could, if you needed $10,000 at 10, 10 o'clock at night, you know, that would be there to, to, to help you out. But who do you just have that you could just call? And I've got a short list on mine's not super long. Mine's not, I don't know if I thought about it. It's not, I, I would, I probably wouldn't have 20. I don't know. I, 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 I maybe I do, but you know, it's not, this, it's not some huge list. We're not talking about a hundred people. We're not talking about 50 people or even 20 people. I think most people will be blessed to have, do you have three people, three people who've got your back? man, it's going to take an investment and maybe to realize that if you don't have that, you're obviously not alone. Join the crowd, the unfortunate crowd. So what's it worth to a year from now have one person, Tom? One more. Yeah, it's priceless. Or one at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering um, how many would you feel comfortable calling and how many would say, how come you didn't call me? Hmm. Because I think, you know, that whole idea of ask is, I think there's a lot more people who are, who are willing to help than we just don't ask. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those games. Hey, you know, let's do it. You go first. Yeah. Part of the, the book that I just, or, or part of my book that I just submitted, I go through a, an aspect and talked about the deathbed regret regrets. I can't remember the girl, the author of this uh, one specific book. She's Australian. And, 
I don't know, the third, fourth regret, whatever is I regret not keeping up with my friends. And I thought about that because really my list of people to call up like that, I do, if I start to think about it, I do have a decent list, but some of them I have not touched in two years. Some of them even longer. And one touch, two touches would give us both that another person on that list to reconnect with somebody who, as you said, with Zig, who was, it wasn't a forever person. It was a season. It was a person for a season, but it was a significant, man, I have people who significant in a season. If I reconnected with them, I could reconnect with all of them in an hour phone call and we'd be back. And I'd have that person again, that I could continue to nurture that relationship and have that list of people who would be, I've got their back and that they've got my back. Cause I bet they're in the same place. They've lost connect connection. And they're there. How can we rekindle those, the ones that we did have? That's another, that's another one. I guess we didn't talk about that. That's another one to think about through the people that you have been close to. Can you go reconnect? Even if you go and say, man, I'm just realizing I, I listened to this show about having people who've got your back and having people you're connected with people that inspire me. You inspired me. I know it's been five years, but I'd love to get your inspiration again. Can we connect via zoom or whatever? Once a quarter, once a quarter, there was a game, there was a, a movie. I don't know if I would necessarily recommend it. It wasn't uh, you know, a super moral movie, but the concept was great. I think it was called Tag, something like that. It was based yep. on a true story of five guys. They're old guys now, and every year they all show up. Or, or what is it? Boy, they have, to, they have to find each other and surprise each other and tag you're it. And it's been going on for 40 years. And it's such a great story of just, it kept them connected and they would, you know, they would orient a, a part of their, a week or whatever out of their year to go and tag one of their old buddies. And that is so great. I, I, I really felt a little sad with that because I thought, man, there's, there's guys in, in grade school I could be doing that with that. I don't, I don't even know where they are anymore. I don't even know. I mean, maybe I could, maybe I could go contact them. How cool would that be? Well, there you go. We got our marching orders. We got our marching orders. Yes, we do. I, I do. I want to I wanna reconnect. I want to connect more um, with this. It's convicted. I'm so grateful, Tom, like you, for the people like you that I have in my life that I get to see your handsome mug every week and we get to talk and we do a show like this and talk about real things. And so often, you know, you and I know a couple of weeks ago, man, for like an hour and a half, we talked about, I don't even remember what it was. We went off on a tangent and talked about life. And, uh, it's every week. And I, sometimes I don't think about the gravity of that, the gratitude. So I'm grateful for you for having you in my life, uh, in that. And I wish that for others. So, uh, we'll keep talking about this and, uh, I hope that it gives you some hope. Tom, thanks brother. Thank you. Friends, I truly hope we did some justice to this issue that we gave it gravity and gave you some valid ideas for getting help. Coming up in episode 891, I bring you an influencer to influencers and a true story of redemption. I've had many influential people on this show who cite the impact Tommy Breedlove has had in and is having in their lives. He's a coach who works very, very deeply with his executive clientele. Tommy has a truly rags to riches story. He was poor and abused and bullied and he grew up to do the same to others. And at age 18, beat someone up so badly he was charged on two felony accounts and imprisoned. He got out and put his anger toward work, made lots of money and brought himself to the point of success and near suicide. So how does a guy like that end up not just being you know, successful and even influential, but at a heart level, really influencing influential people? Well, tune in and you'll hear the rest of the story. I think it'll be incredibly inspiring for you. 
Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.